I decided that I will change up the format for the Undermined a little. This is a pre-recorded start section. I will announce important news and maybe sponsored messages here in the future and never during the podcast as to not disrupt the flow of the conversation. For now, I only ask that if you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting Making Computer Do Things on Patreon. Even $1 counts and that could help improve the production quality of the Undermined, offset hosting costs for the site and keep the Schnell servers running, just to name a few key areas. You can do so on patreon.com mcdt. Thank you for your consideration and now let's get into it. Good evening and welcome to the 40th episode of the Undermind podcast. Oh my god, it's the 40th. It uh, sounds so so high number. And uh, my guest today, well, so uh, my guests today are Freakling. Hi Freakling, how are you? Okay, now it works. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. And Ankmardor, who is... Uh, having maybe some issues, uh, but uh, every uh, anytime you want to unk, just uh, interrupt us and uh, yeah, uh, you can join. So uh, I think we should start uh, in the meantime, uh, there are some uh, news, actually a lot of news that I want to share with you all or y'all. I so want to be able to do a southern accent, but I never could. So, uh, first of all, uh, most of the news is about Schnell, of course, the StarCraft Human and AI League, because I've been working on it like uh, every waking hour I could. So, there a lot of stuff happened. Uh, first of all, uh, the one great feature that I wanted to implement and it is working now is automating bot testing. That means that you, if you upload a bot to uh, Schnell, which you can do if you register on schnell.com and then contact me to allow your account. And uh, yeah, if you're a bot author, you're automatically uh, invited to the closed beta. Uh, I can't say this enough because uh, it is still a surprise to some people. So if you upload a bot, it will be automatically evaluated against a, a passive bot, which does not do anything. This is just to make sure that your bot actually works. 
in every map you enable, enabled your bot in. So that was the first part and the second part and this is a big one for, for uh, gamers who want to do this because this is the number one requested feature, whining, uh, bothering and every other kind of harassment we had to injure uh, uh, about Schnell. Yes, we have custom hotkeys implemented for 1.16 version of the game. The UI is not complete yet, but it is working. Uh, you can set the custom hotkeys and you can uh, press different buttons uh, for your game, just like in StarCraft Remastered. So actually the, I finished that, uh, not finished that, uh, that up, but uh, uh, finished the concept up today. And I can't thank uh, enough my, the two people who contributed on that. And one was Jaegers and the other was Bitekeeper. So thank you guys. I, uh, I, I'm not saying I couldn't have done uh, it without you because I'm very smart, but uh, it would have taken me a, a lot longer. So thanks again. And uh, yeah, it will be released uh, soon. Okay, that's, uh, that are the two features and uh, there are two or three other features left uh, to implement until we can go to open beta. Open beta where everyone uh, can uh, participate, uh, meaning like literally everyone, you can just download it. Uh, we are not quite there yet, but I think in a few weeks, like one or two weeks, it is a reality. I don't want to commit to deadlines because yeah, uh, Schnell budget is still like, uh, like 10 pretzels a month or something. So not really. Okay. And uh, still Schnell news. Uh, we are not done yet. Uh, we have been talks with some very great people about streaming Schnell games. And uh, one of those is uh, the Bombastic Star League's uh, Chobo players. And uh, quite a few of them had agreed to do that. And they will play some show matches against the best of bots and we will cast it. We meaning me, uh, Zero, and maybe uh, uh, another famous caster who I am not allowed to reveal just yet. And uh, of course it might not happen. And uh, the second on the ladder, and uh, I've been uh, talking with Antiga, and he wanted to organize show matches against the uh, AIST winner, who is Locutus, uh, a great bot by Bruce Nielsen and a father of uh, Shallow Copies. So a best of five uh, game series versus a pro, game, pro gamer, and that has been achieved. We are uh, talking, uh, we are in talks with none other than Cadenzi uh, uh, herself, a great uh, uh, pro player. Go look her up. Uh, she's awesome. And uh, date is not set yet, but it is happening and you will know about it. So uh, prepare, prepare yourselves. And the Last, 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 last uh, news about it, uh, about Schnell streams is none other than then motherfucking Artosis Stemkowski has uh, uh, agreed, well, not agreed, but announced on the pylon show that he will bo uh, play these bots soon. So uh, that caused me uh, great amounts of joy. Uh, again, no, uh, no concrete date was set, but uh, it will happen. And that is all that I want to say. And maybe I should let my guests talk a little if you have uh, a little if you have any questions about well anything. 
Okay then. And uh, Frickling, you said, uh, I hope that's not a secret, that you will or you want to make a version of Inner Coven uh, for Schnell and bot usage. Uh, are you still committed to that idea? Or uh, BWCL um, and uh, prepare my torture chamber for whoever that guy is who uh, wrote the, uh, the algorithm for uh, pathfinding regions. Back in the day, um, yes. I think we all share your pain. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> it, it must be done. It really must be done at this point, I think. Um, yes, yeah, so um, maybe the torches and pitchforks will come out if we finally find the guy. Oh, oh, by the way, there are some new bots on the SSEIT letter. Uh, some, uh, maybe I mentioned that in the last cast, but uh, let's mention it again. Uh, some uh, bots from the University of uh, Bratislava. Uh, so welcome, guys, and hope you will enjoy your stay. Okay, and uh, let's talk about Innercoven, uh, um, because I think that's an awesome map, and it was played in the ASL... Uh, last season how should i characterize this so it was played in esl and uh, it is my belief that it changed the meta game a little bit changed the meta game um it's it it pretty much got its own meta game because it's a very non-standard map so yeah <laughs> the meta game on it is still changing it it seems yes yeah that's maybe a little bit more uh, precise uh, characterization of events that transpired look at my fancy words so yeah i i really like that map and uh, i i hope that um, we can we can upload it and uh, i will upload the a map pool uh, well not just asl but i intend to uh, upload the pro leagues map pools to snail because you don't have to enable your bot on the new maps so why not and um, the basic idea for this cast was uh, to discuss map analysis and we okay well i was about to say uh if i if i play or if i go on snail will i get points for every uh every bot that's uh that's beaten by my map or uh, do i have to play myself i will award you uh, one and a half good boy points for every occasion <laughs> i don't know <laughs> there are no <laughs> No, no kind of score, okay. scoring system yet. Uh, but, scoring or <laughs> um, have a working meta or? Uh, I think um, yeah, there are no. Uh, there is just a binary bot evaluation. Either your bot works or not. Uh, but other than that, we don't actually have uh, player scores yet. Do you, do you want to actually talk about it? Because I I've mentioned it, uh, but uh, you weren't on that precise precise podcast. I can just reiterate my points uh, about that. But what? Uh, of uh, player scores and calculating bot strengths uh, with some numerical display. Okay, go on. Just... <laughs> okay. So <laughs> it's, it's a short uh, sentence. Yes. Maybe we should do it like uh, like radio uh, transmission that. <laughs> say over okay so uh the uh, problem is that uh, bots don't have any kind of scoring system that is comparable to humans uh, they have strengths measured relative to uh, uh, to other bots in the scit ladder you can say, uh, see that but that is not qu uh, quite comparable to human scores because they are on a different ladder and uh, 
how do I actually measure the, the bot strengths? Because the point, uh, the problem is that bots are uh, often exploitable. If you find one build that beats a bot, then probably that build will work every time. And that makes it really hard. And uh, what the, and the, the skill of the humans playing against the, the bots is, is not equal. So I'm kind of forced to uh, assign a score to the human playing uh, as well. So I have to weigh the number of games somehow, maybe. And uh, I think the best way would be if I could, uh, I would make a ladder where uh, you you can play a ranked game. And when you've played a ranked game, you can, uh, don't get to pick your opponent like you can do it uh, now on Schneer. So you... Um, uh, what, wouldn't it be best if uh, you would just uh, anonymize the, the bots completely and just have have humans play against random bots then and they don't know which bot it is so they don't know which abusive build would work actually i haven't thought about that but uh, that's that's a good idea i will look into it how to do that that's simple yet simple yet elegant although you can kind of recognize some bots uh, by their play styles but this is a step in the right direction yeah, that at least means you have to be in the game for a while and have to scout the bots and stuff like that so and you really and you really have to know you know you, you have to know the bot more intimately than just by its name and you know the 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 build that worked last time i'll do it again but you know you'll actually have to find out at least what the bot is by scouting it that's the point right yeah but trivial to come by the information which what you're playing then well you can still kind of mine uh, can uh, kind of see it from the logs but hmm, i will look into it i, I can't really see it and meanwhile we uh, got a question in the chat that inner coven 1.05 works on the 116 version of the map uh, I don't know if uh, um, by saying that you want to want to make a version uh, for 1.16, you mean that the current version is working, just has some problems, or is it not working at all? Uh, the, the version currently in the ASL uses um, um, some of the new RAM tiles that are exclusive to patch 1.22 and later, so. Uh, they don't uh, that doesn't work under 116 i'd have to replace all those tiles i have a working uh, 116 version already uh, because i used that myself for testing purposes but of course it, it looks like shit because it's just the the same tile spent all over again just to make it work so what i basically need to do is give it a bit of a cosmetic overhaul before I release that and version we are even talking about 105. What's 105? Um, oh, yeah, that's that one. Uh, well, yeah, that was the last version I actually finished before ASL. Um, the main or the only real difference, but the only difference between this. One between version 105 and uh, the ASL version is uh, that the ASL version has the disruption webs on the corridors 
uh, to the middle, replaced or removed and put some building blocks there instead. Well, I think there's also some some difference in how the turrets are, pra are placed in the uh, neutral neutral ring bases, but uh, yeah. But uh, version 105 also doesn't work under uh, patch 116. I think the, the only one that I uploaded that works under patch 116 is version 102, I think it is, which is pretty much by original. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, I had a question last time. I didn't get a chance to ask. Can you make neutral units uh, hostile? Like, can you place down a missile turret that is neutral but fires on everyone? Because it's technically another player, right? Yeah, so um, my thought was, uh, how about, uh, just as a wacky concept, make a map that is actively hostile towards you? And I'm not sure that you can make that with uh, basic... No, you can't. You can't do that. Um, you can't change uh, alignment of player or... You, you can't change uh, whether the neutral player is, is allied or hostile to any other player. So no, and you can't. You also can't place uh, place any units for any other player than neutral on a melee. You can, but it won't show in game, so you can't effectively. So no, that's not possible. Yeah, I, I guess you can uh, do it with use map settings, but uh, that's yeah, not right. that that wouldn't be accepted for any melee league. So that's then not a proper melee map. Was there any time when people played uh, UMS games seriously, like in a league format? I don't really, I didn't really hear about that ever. What do you mean by UMS? UMS can be anything, so but I don't know. Uh, I don't think there was ever a U UMS map that's really become big like a Dota has for Warcraft C uh, 3, for example, but apart from that, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they have. it's been so long and so many maps have been made that probably at least someone did some for fun small little tournament on something at some point but yeah well uh, yeah i don't think so i we would have heard uh, from it by now but um, i remember playing uh, a lot of uh, fun ums maps back in the day uh, there was one that was everyone playing in my friend group and it was dra dragon ball themed it wasn't any good but it, it had uh, units named after dragon ball characters and that was all we needed yeah then again, we were like 13 at the time. So let's get back to map analysis. And uh, uh, I recall some discussion that you had with Ang in the SSCIT uh, Discord and the problems thereof. So um, can you describe the basic prob problem statement and what you actually want to test or want uh, want a tool to test it, or maybe, uh, maybe um, I don't know, uh, enlist our help <laughs> with that. Which one are you talking about? I posted quite a few questions lately. Well, let's talk. talk. Pretty immensely helpful, I must say. <laughs> you really know your stuff. 
let's uh, talk talk about them in order like uh, um, like why why ultralisks aren't affected by or, or almost aren't affected by uh green goo uh what's it called ensnare <laughs> yeah for example yeah and i think the conclusion was they are affected it's just such a minuscule amount and uh, uh some yeah. some random timer screws up screws it up anyway so basically it doesn't matter well the the base basic problem was that uh the ultralisks attack animation is almost as long as its cooldown so even if you uh, uh even if you kind of uh, even if you, if you or yeah and well yeah and the timer of course of course yes so if, if it isn't if if it isn't slowed down by ensnare it will randomly uh have a very long cooldown every three attacks because uh its animation is longer than its cooldown and then it will go into a, a waiting period of nine fr nine frames that's the answer yes it was very uh well it's weird it's it's another example of very bad coding of the game i guess but yeah I think uh, this game design paradigm could be characterized as because fuck you, that's why. And <laughs> what was the... Works, don't question it. <laughs> we, have, we have to get it done. <laughs> we can't care for the details. Uh, oh, I can't relate. I didn't do any rush coding or a workaround or uh, shitty solutions in Schnell at all. That is not something that I would do. Wink, wink but you're working on it alone and probably don't have any even imaginary deadline to 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 uh adhere to or i don't know <laughs> many people usually if many people work on something it gets cha chaotic so <laughs> um, definitely right and uh that was that's basically what i'm doing since i'm the well, I'm, uh, I'm not working on it alone, but uh, I contribute like 90% uh, of the code base. And therefore, yeah, sometimes I co cut corners, but I, sh I really shouldn't. I must say it, and I usually clean it up after, but you know how it goes. I, I assume it's just like there, there's one team working on the code, and there's the art team probably who worked on the sprites and the eye scripts and then it didn't really fit together, something like that. Uh, it is my impression that when StarCraft was released, uh, Blizzard was still a relatively small studio, and they basically, uh, everyone did everything. And I think they, they, I, um, this is my feeling because while looking at the code, everything is kind of intertwined, and you get the feeling that one guy could do almost everything. Of course, that must have been an art team and, and different roles, but it wasn't as separate as it is now for a modern gaming company. But I really don't know. Yeah. There are some great uh, war stories about StarCraft development by Patrick Wyatt, one of the uh, ex-Blizzard developers, so you should check that out. I will try to find yeah, the link. Oh, uh, I think I've read them probably. It's the same guy that wrote the uh, the article about pathfinding, right? Yes. The... 
Yes, that that's the yeah, famous I, article about uh, pathfinding, but uh, that is a part of an article. It's way too vague and keeps, uh, gets, keeps getting people with some weird and wrong ideas still, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I probably have read it. You don't need to send me the link. Yeah, but I will include it in the uh, podcast post description. So, okay, uh, where did we start Start with all of this? Oh, yeah, the problem statement. So what was next after the Ultralisk thing? What was the next problem that uh, you were discussing after the Ultralisk uh, thing? What have I asked? Oh, <laughs> already forgot. I think we. I also brought up the... Uh, well, we, we had at some point... We had a little bit talk about uh, vortex bugs, and someone actually could provide me with a link to the exact code that that well shows this the 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 getting unstuck behavior that doesn't work in that case. Uh, asked, of course, we had now the talk about. Uh, in my mining tracker that I'm planning to do, which I'll hopefully be able to begin working at next week when I'm done with uh, updating maps. And I think there was something else. Yeah, the mining tracker, I, I think it's relatively easy to implement. Uh, after all, it's, it's just, uh, at the end of the day, it's just a statistics collection. And uh, well, in the process, uh, there is the saying, if you gaze uh, into the abyss long enough, uh, you, the abyss also gazes into you. I guess you get involved, got involved uh, with the bot community so long that you became a bot author yourself. Because technically, yep. technically that's what you're doing, right? A bot. bot author. Because te it's technically, but also you become a bot. You mean? <laughs> no, I mean you engage with this community. I mean, it comes to 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 uh, anything about worker mining behavior. I guess I've become the abyss already. I've spent so many hours uh, watching those little buggers doing crazy stuff. That well, I mean, I I can I can now just watch. Uh, watch them in a map and I know exactly, okay, this worker is doing what it's supposed to do and that worker is not doing what it's supposed to do. So yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> but yeah, putting numbers on it and really understanding how it works with the hidden timers and stuff. That's really the last thing that's to do, I think, with regards to well, what's actually map making relevant. And you're still designing these maps mainly for humans. That means that if you, the mining rates are, uh, for different bases, the mining rates are equal uh, in on average in the long run. That's basically good enough, right? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there there are mult multiple complications in making mining rates ever or on average equal, of course like uh, different races have uh, different mining rates. So, uh, and like different mineral patches mine differently, whether they are on the left side of a resource depot or 
on the exact mirrored spot on the right yeah. side. Some weird stuff like that. Um, and uh, of course, uh, mining rates can change uh, when uh, worker saturation increases. So ideally, you would want that for each race, if, if, if you have the same race, if both players have the same race, no matter where they spawn, they have the same mining rate on average uh, over all kinds of worker saturations, right? Um, I don't know. Um, I've but done a lot of, of in-game testing and I mean, generally, um, differences in mining rates get less if you have more workers on the minerals because uh, of course, lost time due to uh, ineffic inefficient paths gets less significant compared to lost time due to uh, worker migration between different patches, which unless you have one mineral line spread apart very far and the other one very compact, uh, that tends to be more similar. So unless you have some of these bugs where your workers actually migrate behind the mineral line. Yeah, that's just weird. And I guess uh, to a lesser degree, degree uh, the same applies for gas mining as well, right? Yeah, I mean, on, on uh, one to three workers, uh, mining rates can be very different. But of course, like on a good spot, you have like about 300 gas per minute. And on a bad spot, you might have 240 or lower, right? So 20% loss or 20% deficit easily. Uh, if you put four workers on it, obviously you get full mining rates on almost all, uh, for almost all positions. So yeah. 20% is quite significant. 20% is a quite significant uh, yeah. figure. You, you, you can't really, uh, uh, even, even under ideal circumstances, you can't really uh, push it below 10, but at least you can do that, so. Yeah, so uh, good luck with that. And um, like I said, I would like to help you with it, but I'm swamped with work already. But uh, I think the community uh, is quite helpful in your endeavors. And uh, well, we, we like having you uh, screwing around with BWAPI. Well, it's, it's, it's one thing uh, to, to consider whether I use uh, BW API or do something with uh, open w, uh, open Brutoir code, which might also be an option because it of course gets, gives you uh, much much more direct access to the uh, behind the scenes workings of the engine with all the hidden timers and stuff like that. But yeah. Well, um, it would be great if we could make a standalone tool for map analysis and maybe other map makers could, could use it too. Or do you want it, it to all to yourself and they can't have it? <laughs> well, no, but uh, I mean, in the long run, yeah, if you could ha have something like, I mean, there's, there's a replay viewer based on open root war, right? You can't 
could probably have something where you upload a map and it gives you it like I don't know automatically plots your worker paths and gives you mining rates and runs some uh, analysis on whatever. But that's that's a bit more advanced, of course. I mean, for now, uh, I, I just want some easy code uh, that just tracks workers if they are selected, basically, and works on a prepared uh, test map where I can set up specific combinations of minerals and pathfinding regions and stuff like that to test that out. <laughs> Well, you have to start somewhere and I would love to see uh, such a tool and I would love to integrate into the Schnell environment eventually uh, because uh, at some point there, there is a map upload functionality as well. I see no reason why uh, you couldn't uh, add an evaluation or, or uh, something to that pipeline as well. In the meantime, we have a question uh, in the chat from someone named TCP Zerg. Uh, it's called, oh, well, you can just read it and answer it, I guess. Yeah, it's about 2v2 maps and double geysers. Well, uh, the problem, of course, is that no, there aren't really any modern 2v2 maps because, or, well, not, not anyone, so that would be uh, officially used at least because, well, 2v2 was dropped from, uh, from, from Pro League at some point and there hasn't or there haven't been any new 2v2 maps since then. Uh, but yeah. Um, I hear that uh, 2v2. I've, I've, I've had some talks with uh, with with uh, that uh, or with uh, about you know they basically they are they are planning to add 2v2, but they also don't have the resources to make it quickly. So. Uh, but the, the, the plans there, right? So uh, I've I've uh, talked to uh, to Norman about it. Uh, I'm sorry, you the, just the critical part was cut out. Uh, who did you talk to? Uh, to Matt Sherman of Blizzard. He, he's like the community manager, I think, is his title. So yeah, he's the guy I'm talking to about maps for for uh, for DSL and Leda and stuff like that. Wow, that's awesome. There's some, some, but there are still no, no, no concrete plans for any two v two maps because there's still no concrete depth two v two on ladder. But if two v two comes on ladder, then probably we'll have new two v two maps. But before that, no. Um, I also made another suggestion that maybe we could have a new game mode that's more dedicated two v two and would low. Uh, shared spaces or shared uh, or fixed team spawn type of maps like uh, StarCraft 2 does because that of course would allow for some even more uh, specialized 2v2 map designs where for example teams could share mains or could share natural stuff like that. you can't do because uh, you're just as like on next to an opponent as next to your teammate right uh, yeah, I remember, uh, not even 2v2s, but playing 4v4s and we like restarted the, the game like 16 times until we got the top versus bottom layout. 
it's so yeah, crazy. If you, have, if you have, I mean, there are some top versus bottom maps that do this, but um, they need to be played as UMS, of course, and then you still have the, well, if it's a problem or not, okay, but uh, you will know whether your team will spawn on top or bottom, right? There's no randomization in that. So if, if it's to be more like uh, more like a, a normal melee mode, you probably want your team spawns to be randomized as well, right? But then your team still, it's, well, every, if you have a shared base, every one of the team spawns in that shared base, but it's not clear in what shared base you will spawn. Like I, for example, if you have a map like, I actually did a map like this, wait. Hmm. here something like this i will post the link into the, in the chat in a second i can do it too it's called joint venture right oh yes that's a, that's uh basically it's a 2v2 v2 v2 map or, well you could play just 2v2 or you know you have you have shared mains and then you have four possible spawns right and it would be great if there would be I mean, I, I tried to actually trigger this in a way that would basically work that way, and even that's very, uh, you can't really, or it's very awkward and hard, because even if you uh, if you spawn, just spawn buildings and workers via triggers, with Zerg you have the problem that they don't, uh, they spawn without uh, any larva, which is no good, right? So. Then you have to wait for a minute or so uh, until your hatchery has spawned three lava before you can start the game, at which point your test players leave the game. So I tried that. <laughs> it would be it would be great to have um, to have a dedicated mode that would support something like this. I, I think. Hmm. Yeah, uh, we can only hope. Uh, I think um, yeah, that needs to be something done from the official <laughs> Blizzard team. I can't really think of any way to of circumventing this right now. And we are all about circumventing everything. Okay, so we, I think we talk this mining analysis thing through because that's where we started with this talking point. And I actually had some basic questions to you. And these might sound naive from, from a uh, from your perspective, but I'm a bit curious that uh, uh, how do you handle rush distances, for example? Uh, like, and and feel free to go into the very nitty gritty details because that's that's what we are all about. Well, I mean, normally I just try to make them as long as possible because after. Uh, they tend to be too short on most layouts you can come up with. Uh, unless you do something like, uh, let's say, um, what map was it? Benzene, right? Which has such a long rushing distance because that's got this S-shaped path going, going on, which uh, makes it naturally long. But uh, if you have a map like, for example, uh, in the way of an eddy, or much more 
a simple example in that same vein, like uh, ground zero, for example, then basically you have to get something in between close positions to make it longer or rushes will become very strong, right? And there is a map, uh, I, I don't know its name when, uh, when it's like uh, the entrance to the base is, is, is one unit wide. So one unit can only, uh, only one unit can go in a base at a time. But I, I really don't recall the um, name of that map. Which base? I mean, uh... any 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 main base, I guess, or uh, maybe any natural. But the entrance to the player's main base at some point. Uh, what do you mean? Only one unit can. Like uh, the. It sounds like a normal ramp to me. No, no, no. It's it's a uh, uh, not a ramp, but a narrower op approach. It's it's. I don't know how to characterize it. Very narrow. A very narrow ramp, or no? It's not a ramp. Like it's it's level, but there are there are uh, like uh, high ground uh, around, and it's it's a it's just a very narrow choke. Tight choke between main and natural, or can have very tight chokes, but do they block certain units out completely, or? I'm not sure, but I uh, I think they do. They, they, uh, like a zealot can fit through, but not a tank or something like that. Some official, like, pro map or something like that. I saw uh, pro players playing on that. I'm not sure that was done, uh, in on really? or no, not recently. But I, I think uh, we won't, uh, won't really find yeah. that map. How many players? Which tile set? The tile set was the. Same of the of uh, as of Eddie. I don't know uh, from the top of the head. My head. Oh, right. Yeah, that one. And how many players or how many spawns? Uh, I guess three or four. I think it's a four-player map, but I'm really not sure. It's not a two-player map. I know. It was too large for that. It was a square map. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... Yeah, we would. We will not figure it out. I guess. Yeah, I don't even. I still don't understand what you mean by by or what 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 was so special about the joke you're describing. So, okay, I will try to try to find the map a little bit later, and and we can talk about it. It's not really important. It's just uh, it was just meant or, uh, as a one-off example where where an arrow choke can mitigate rushes a little bit. That was that was the point I was trying to arrive at, I guess. Sorry. Can you say that again? What? Yeah, so um, the point I was trying to make is you can mitigate the effect of rushes, uh, maybe, by having some narrow chokes. At least that was my impression. Ha, hey. Oh, hey. Sorry oh. for being late. I started working spontaneously. But I guess to adjust that point, it would be uh, Zerglings are the smallest unit and they'll fit through any small chokes. So I don't think you can mitigate rushes that way at least not very early game rushes you can you can make jokes that don't even let circling's path but uh, pass but then they are not actually jokes anymore <laughs> they are code yeah. wars well you can have semi-permeable barriers funny thing is you can actually make jokes that uh, the engine considers uh, passable but that no unit can 
actually fit through or that only scarabs could fit through. Uh, that was exactly what I was thinking about. Can you make a wall that only scarabs can fire fire through it and not but Zerlings yeah. can? Yeah. Uh, let me let me look up something for a moment. <laughs> That's that would be funny. Let's like let's make a I, map. I have, I have a test map map like this. It's 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 not really a, a playable map. Not, not not a playable feature in a melee map yet. It's some some of many many little things that I know of that I actually haven't ever put in a melee map. Lots of them are pathfinding related, of course. Um, internet is a bit slow today. Sorry. Now it oh. shows. Uh, walkable tiles are eight by eight pixels, and zerglings are like fourteen, sixteen. I forgotten, but I'm pretty sure you need two by two walk tiles for a zergling. But you could have two areas connected by less. But normally you wouldn't path between in there unless you had some other. There, it wouldn't path between the two regions unless you had a two by two gap connecting them. So uh, technically, you can make a map called uh, "Protoss is not Imba," where you uh, are full of these kind of jokes and uh, reverse shut everything. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, I'd uh, like to ask uh, Ankmardor that, uh, yeah, you had some technical difficulties, but uh, let's go back to the beginning of the uh, episode and uh, basically what you've been up to lately. Uh, okay. Um, let's see here. So I think you guys covered some of it I, while I was gone. Uh, I've been doing uh, various researches into StarCraft as to uh, various mechanics. Um, so the big one for me was the research into the pathfinding. Um, I did a deep dive and looked into how the pathfinding works both for uh, short paths and the long paths. The short paths are the. Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, I just have one question. Uh, after that, how are your uh, PTSD treatments going? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a long thing. It took many weeks to read through all that code because it's broken down into very fine level. I don't know if that's the result of the decompiling issue or what, but yeah, lots of bit flags, and I had to figure out what those all did and label them. Uh, but yeah, I can get to that in a bit. But um, so yeah, I'll probably get these mixed up. But you have the region pathfinding, and then you have the position pathfinding. Um, I forgot which is the long and the short. I thought they were mixed up, but because uh, like the the long, oh, whatever. I'm, I'll get that later. Um, but uh, so the main thing I found was that the, when you uh, had a positional pathfinding, is it will search in a boxes of essentially uh, 65 pixels from the current position. So you can you can actually see this quite easily when playing StarCraft is if you pick a position that's just past two walk tiles away from the current unit, not like pixel-lined walk tiles, but just about that same sort of distance. You can estimate it based on looking at the tile set. And you can uh, 
put a position that will be uh, like 65 pixels over to the right and then just a couple of pixels downwards. And the unit will actually walk straight over and then turn straight down. Whereas normally you would expect the unit to just make a straight path to the point and then facing the consistent direction. But you can actually get them to do a sharp turn at the finish as a result. Uh, they they won't go diagonal or no they won't go diagonally I mean they very slightly but it will be uh, almost perfectly straight for the first ninety nine percent and then the last one percent of the trip they'll actually turn steeply towards the next point uh, that's because it will try to choose between eight positions within the sixty four by sixty four or sixty five by sixty five box. So the nearest the two positions to that the target destination would either be the center on the right. So if you're moving right, it would be the center on the right or the, like the center on the bottom. But the so, center so of the bottom. It's, yeah. It just uh, as a target, it first picks a, a, a two by two tile uh area and only if it reaches that region if the unit reaches that region it will zero in on exact coordinates or uh, uh so okay so if you thought about it just as a uh a 65 by six well not a 65 but uh i guess i've gotten the sizes wrong but uh 65 out 64 out from every direction from the unit. So if you had one out from every direction from the unit, you would have a three by three box. So 64 out from every direction is uh, like 129, I believe. 129, OK. Yeah, because yeah, you have the center pixel as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then it's 129. Yeah. yeah, so 129 pixels out. So you have that size box. Um, it it will it doesn't pixel line it to the tiles or anything like that. But um, so if you had a uh, point that was any point inside that box will be found immediately and it will go exactly to it. So as long as you pick a tell a unit to move within 100 that 129 pixel box uh, or basically within a 64 unit pixels in any direction it will go directly to that point. It'll pick a perfect diagonal to that point. But as soon as you're outside of that box, it has to move to a new point before it can go from that point directly diagonally to the next point. So that double the, the size, then then, uh, then then mining could work on that logic. But okay, yeah. Yeah, so you'll see this in mining because the crystals are a minimum distance of three tiles which means they are at least 96 uh, pixels away that they, well, you have to travel. Well, I guess there is the size of the worker, but that's only 11 pixels from each side you lose. So you still have at least 64 pixels that need to be traveled. So you'll Let, see this. Say with, with 96 and 128 for setback minerals, so yeah. Yeah. So you'll have uh, at least uh, one or two uh, waypoints, essentially. So each time it moves outside that box, it'll set a point, a travel point. I, it can be labeled as waypoints, but it's not the waypoint like 
every time you shift click a move command. It's uh, internal to this current path uh, waypoint. Um, not sure if there's a better way to call those, but uh, so in, in mining, you'll see it as the unit will t seem to go at either a straight or a straight uh, one of those, the main diagonals. It'll tend to go in one of those two directions, and then it will adjust right before it gets to the mineral in order to get head straight or on a more direct diagonal towards the mineral. Uh, this is uh, pretty much the result because it, it, the nearest points that we consider is eight, there are eight nearest points possible within the uh, 129 box, which basically, uh, unless there's, of course, if there's obstacles, then it gets complicated. Um, it'll it, in that in the case of obstacles, it will attempt to add the corner positions of each obstacle, like the nearest corner. Um, it, even if it's a concave or convex corner, it'll add either one of those. Um, and so you could have something it'll try and go just barely around an obstacle by going to that exact corner. So you might get some corner clipping occasionally, but most of the time it should be fine. But um, let's see. I think it was also related to why the vultures can't go through pylons when you tell them to, but uh, they can if you uh, tell them to stop. Uh, I don't know if you read if you, if you tell them to, if you time it just right, it seems so. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if you read the post, but so the yeah, breakdown we... is... Hmm? No, go on, go on. Okay, so the simple breakdown is that there are two types of movement. There's movement within the pathfinding system that's actually intended by the pathfinding, and there's movement outside of the pathfinding system, which is uh, like if the unit is uh, stopping or coming to a stop or just, uh, after giving been given a stop command, or it, when they're turning, uh, floating units like vultures or air units uh, will move uh beyond their turn point so they'll keep moving forward even as they're turning so they sort of veer outwards and you get a sort of a fishtail effect or a swing out effect when they seem to when you do a harsh turn uh, it's pretty obvious if you're looking for it on a vulture because they they move so fast but all of the floating units do this they will go like if they turn right they'll go up and then out to the right for a bit so if you get a unit, if you got the vulture to go to the corner of two diagonal pylons and then have it turn sharply, it will fan outwards or it'll sort of keep moving forwards and it will find itself on the opposite side of the barrier by accident. It didn't intend to go there. It just, that was the next yeah, step. One, one frame, it's on the one, on one side of the gap and next frame, it's on the other, right? And because yeah. the overlap where it could uh, register a collision is so small, if the timing and position is just right, it doesn't even come to the uh, to the actual collision detection. So basically, it's drifting into the pile of wall. Well, well sort it's... of. It's sort of drifting past something which we would it would have thought as a barrier because the pathfinding system sees the two uh, edges. Um, 
of the pylons and then concludes that it's a perfect corner. There's no gap at all. It because it, it can't see the gap, even though the unit could perfectly move through uh, without, I mean, assuming that you're not doing every possible collision check, which it doesn't, it only does uh, if it actually lands on a unit, another unit, it will check for a collision. So it's entirely possible if you had a unit that could move 100 pixels per frame, that it would simply jump over everything. <laughs> Tunnel through buildings. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's like Novan puts the vulture in the corner and it just jumps over. So, but, but, so it, it, it actually uh, considers in, in, in the pathfinding calculations whether they are buildings or not and whether a unit can pass. That's what you're saying, right? No. No. Okay. But, okay. So specifically, the pathfinding does not care whether it's a building or a terrain. It looks all the same. So yeah, it, 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 you mean it only knows the terrain and the regions and finds its path on that, right? So. Well, it's so it it compiles all the units in a, a the nearby area. And all of the train in the nearby area What's are very nearby? limited. What what does it consider nearby? But it it yeah, only it, considers it, a, a very 60, small region. Or 129 by 129 surroundings, or is it more? I believe it's only within that area. You have to you have to collide. It so like if the corner of a building is within that region, it will consider that. For the current movement. Yeah, I mean that this is very significant, of course, for um, you know if you have buildings that influence mining, for example, or if, even if you have uh, more mineral patches around that has uh, uh, has influence on how worker move, how how workers move, and I yeah. guess that's the effect. Yeah. Uh, so there's. Two, there are potentially two layers. Um, so there's region connectivity, which is going to have the biggest effect on for on more long distance. That's going to shape uh, where the where the targets may go. But that's usually only if you are moving between three or more regions. If it's just two regions, you'll get some biasing towards the second region, meaning that if if it's got if if it, it explores multiple paths uh, and in order to get it, there. If it finds two paths of same length, it will favor the second one it finds. Well, it's more than that. It will actually favor one in the target region, even if it's twice as long. Uh, so there's a biasing of distances where it will treat uh, the current region as having a path that's twice as long as the ne next region. So if the mineral is in a second region to the uh, worker, it, it will tr it will be willing to travel twice as far within the minerals region as within its own region. Uh, the effect of that is relatively small. Um, you might compared to like the the one twenty nine box, the influence of that would be relatively small. Uh, you'll see that impact more on three region corners uh, if you have to like go around an obstacle because it will tend to bias uh, into going through the second region to get to the third region rather than going directly from the first region to the third region. What, what 
it will it will favor going through a third region instead of going from one region to another directly. It will no, it'll favor going through a second region. So if there's a three region path, it will favor any path that goes through uh, any region besides the first region. But it will also favor the going through the second region. So it'll try to go one, two, three. If it happens to go one to three, it'll say, oh, that's fine. And it will just carry on as though it, it's reached region three ahead of schedule. But it will try and aim. The Pathfinder will give preference to any path that it, if it, the first path it finds is, say, a path through the second region. And then it just happens to stumble upon a region, a path that takes it directly from uh, region one to region three. Unless that path, uh, with for the distance traveled there locally, I guess, it is um, less than half the cost, it will ignore that shorter path. Okay. <laughs> so even it's. I mean, what, what I mean, where I mostly observe it closely is in mineral mining, and there it seems like if there's a direct connection between two adjacent regions, it will always take this path and never go through a third region. So, yeah, it will. Well, unless there was just so many obstacles that it forced it into another region, it would avoid going into additional regions just for the heck of it. Uh, so it will go well, region for the heck of it. For actually finding the shortest path. But yeah. Yeah, it will it it will try to get out of the current region, even if that means ending up somewhere weird. Uh, to if the, if they're if well if the destination is not the current region. So it tries to get into the the destination region. That might take it into a strange uh, neighboring region, but it it would in that case it would prefer it. If the you only have one region involved, so the worker and the mineral are in the same region at the start, then it will say, oh well, it doesn't matter as long as I moved closer to the mineral, I've done my job. But okay. you. Okay. But that's basically oh, that's why if, if 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 it starts in the same region where it wants to move to or where the mineral is and then there's another region in the way or something like that that would be a very unusual layout though yeah it would be that, that very happens weird, very rarely basically like no, it, it, no that's more maze building than map building but <laughs> but yeah you could construct mazes where the Pathfinding will do weird stuff. I've I've done a map for fun where I just uh, you can just draw pathfinding regions using different terrain levels, of course, and where I just drew very weird, chaotic formations. And well, the workers started dancing on that map instead of mining, and some just stopped at some point. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, yeah. Look, that part of the pathfinding. Or the movements, the unit miss movement system is it's different from pathfinding. Uh, well, it's actually a give up. It just says, "I've tried." <laughs> there wasn't an yeah. easy solution. I tried. <laughs> I got lost. An attempt was made, and I'm willing to bet that 
this piece of code has a comment in the original code base that oh oh I I know this is a hack but players surely won't notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Not players, but map makers and AI people. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, there is uh, I'm. Uh, I'm waiting for the f first map named Hedge Maze when you just make a literal maze of map. And and uh, maybe there are no geysers, so you can't make air units. What? Like a literal hedge maze uh, out of terrain pieces. I guess Zerg could still float uh, overlords, but... I did something like... I did something, something like that one. And uh, once, uh, and on top of that, I made it UMS without air units. <laughs> yeah, just you. You needed about an hour to get from one base to the other if your units didn't give up on the way, and everything was was tight, and you couldn't really fight. And let's just say it's a bad. Bad, very bad idea. Oh, and uh, you know the uh, what's it called? Uh, something, something, crannies, bug. Well, you you can if, if you have very very many very fine structures, you reach you actually reach the uh, the uh, region limit for the map. So it can uh, the engine can only process so many regions at game start, and if there are too many, it just crashes and gives you a, a, a bug, which is called the I'm not sure what the first word was something and crannies bug. There are too many something something and crannies on your map. Nooks and crannies. Nooks and crannies. That's the saying. Nooks and crannies. Yeah, exactly. Nooks and crannies. Your map has to be, or there are too many nooks and crannies on this map. We uh, it couldn't be loaded, something like that, and your StarCraft crashes. Hmm. So that's something hmm. I ran in, into with it as well. But yeah, I'd be curious how that relates to the limit in the pathfinding. So there's actually pathfinding system has limits on how many regions it will check. Um, so it will only fan out to a certain number of regions. At which point it'll say. I've looked at enough places, and it will just sort That's of give probably up. probably why units just get lost in the maze on such a map instead of ever reaching their, yeah. their destinations. <laughs> well, yeah. there's some really weird behavior by pathfinding if you get path really, really long path lengths, uh, and not necessarily in distance traveled, but the number, the complexity of the path. Yeah. Uh, like you can have so many regions that it will give up and then it will only list the last few regions so for the first like maybe part of the the path it might be completely lost it might say i'm expected to be the next 50 regions forward from where i am and it will say oh well there's just a magic gap that's supposed to be crossed at some point here so it'll probably just the unit will probably just give up at that point yeah uh, I think we yeah. got sidelined somewhere on my description of the pathfinding 
<laughs> yeah, but I love it. <laughs> like, and I especially love the fact that you made this uh, absolutely sadistic map with the maze and no flying units because that's exactly what I wanted to say that you should make. What, but you already what, made it. 255, two, uh, 256 by 256 and 8 players. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's monstrous. Yes, <laughs> it's it's the type of thing that that you would play at a charity event or or something that. <laughs> and of course, you have to have like like that, that once in the torture chamber. I ha I have prepared for the uh, pathfinding guy. Oh. Have to play it forever. Uh, I think it's it's enough if you just make a lot of mineral patches and and set them to the maximum amount because even if some unit arrives at the enemy, then. <laughs> Then it's no use. You, you, you put so many minerals in a map that it reaches unit max, or? No, I mean, uh, you somehow get your unit across the map and to the enemy, but uh, the enemy will have more units and and uh, are ample supply of resources, so the games, games just goes on forever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what do you expect? Yes. Yes. Excellent. That's the map. You have understood. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it, it it was also like a fast map, right? With with unlimited resources. So <laughs> <laughs> this this is the lowest map ever. So and this is the opposite. Yeah. And I love and love I it. Never posted anywhere. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, be brave. And uh, uh, what I love no, is I that. Uh, a journey that many bot authors go through is, oh my god, pathfinding is stupid in StarCraft, I'm gonna implement my own. Then, consequently, uh, the poor author realizes that, hmm, actually implementing pathfinding is hard, and maybe that's why they didn't do it. And also it's resource intensive, and, and uh, remember that StarCraft was running on, uh, uh, made for PCs that are like 10 times weaker than your smartphone or more. And yeah, and I, I heard someone uh, saying that, oh, why didn't, why didn't they just use jump point search that's such, such uh, uh, more effective? And uh, then I notified him that uh, StarCraft came out in 1998. Jump point search is dated to 2011. Uh, what's, what's jump point search? It's a uh, more, uh, it's an, uh, currently one of the most efficient uh, pathfinding algorithms uh, so that's, on... That's what StarCraft 2 probably runs on? Or... <laughs> uh, I think not even StarCraft 2. Uh, no, but it is, it, it is a pathfinding algorithm that is only usable on uniform grid maps, like we, we have on StarCraft. But StarCraft 2 is 2010, I believe. So I, I don't think the StarCraft 2 has a uh, jump point search. I think StarCraft 2 is, is a little bit more uh, handling the collision boxes a little bit differently, like units can bunch up a lot more and it's more fluid. Yeah, it, I think it's particularly it's handling unit collisions and well, kind of different. I, I mean, it looks like a, like like a, in a, like a simulation of like a laminar flow of a, uh, of a liquid almost. So, whereas uh, Brute War looks like bumper cars. So, <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's the main difference. Very stupid bumper cars. Uh, uh, they probably added more awareness of units because right now boudoir units are just barely aware of each other. Only if they're standing still. Oh, only if they bump into each other. <laughs> oh, there's something. Oh, I yeah. can't go there. I'll run. Like they are, they I are. Don't an, <laughs> I don't know. They are like an inver inverted T Rex. They only can detect stuff when they are st standing still. Uh, blind bumper cars. The one, is probably... the one thing that w really could be improved is uh, that that pathfinding regions should at least be more compact, with no weird things sticking out of them. That would help a, a lot already. So. The funny thing is that we actually have the source well open the BWO available, and there is nothing stopping for, uh, people from rewriting it from scratch. But <laughs> who would yeah, do that? Who would do that, and why? <laughs> no, we, the bigger problem is, of course, that that Blizzard would probably not <laughs> yeah. take over any of the changes. So, no, I, that's just a joke. No one would want to do that. Uh, I think we're all here that. in the first place for the... I think, however long it would take, if if pathfinding regions were just a bit more, well, compact, that would save so much time in debugging maps. So, because those are the things that really... Uh, they're everywhere and... <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked into how those are generated. Uh, my, I, all I know is what, what uh, Suicidal Insanity to, uh, told me about it so far. Um, first, it, it creates uh, square regions of fully walkable or unwalkable terrain as big as it can. Then it starts to merge them. And the third step, uh, it merges uh, the, the walkable and unwalkable parts of partially walkable regions into the rest. So, yeah. And I guess the second step is the problem because sometimes it just merges regions in a way that it's very weird results. Yeah, I, I definitely saw the merging in the code. Uh, so I, I've seen that, but I wasn't sure how large they start or what the initial starting point was it looked like they started like every point was its own starting region and then it just sort of grows from that but i think it grows outwards or something i don't know i didn't look at that that deeply because that's a whole nother part of the problem yet another rabbit hole right I, but would it be possible to to create a map analyzing tool that would at least uh, be able to? Well, I'm not quite sure how it would actually be looking like, but that would be able to analyze ground travel distance from every well, every tile would be sufficient uh, from every tile to every other tile, and then kind of. Uh, kind of uh, visualize, visualize that in some way? I'm pretty sure that um, Churchill, David Churchill was working on something similar, but that it, it wasn't, I don't think it was using the Brood War engine. It was just sort of using a flood fill sort of algorithm, I think. But he had some sort of graphical demonstration of the flood fill on Brood War maps. 
thought it was kind of interactive or something like that. Yeah, um, what do you mean, flat fold? Like, it would just. It sort of expands outwards and says, this yeah, is how many tiles it you travel. But it would just do it on a tile by tile basis and consider like walkable, unwalkable, or something like that, but not the actual pathfinding mm -hmm. thing. That yeah, not for Yeah, that would be useless then because, well, pathfinding regions are actually the problem with many of those. Those and particularly what I'm thinking about is, of course, the 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 Riva freeze back or Riva jam, as I call it, where Rivas just uh, miscalculate their attack range because they use ground distance, of course, and not normal attack range because scarabs are units and it's. Uh, mm -hmm. The Reaver problem should be relatively easy to compute because uh, you're basically just uh, so it's if it's I forget the exact count, but I think it's if it's three regions or more, it uses the center distances of all regions involved. Yes, exactly, and then suddenly something that's two tiles away is outside the eight tile attack range, which is. Horrible, but yeah. So what, what you want to avoid is basically you wa don't want small regions that are only well. If it's if it's a region which is actually just one tile wide, something like that, that's normally not that bad. But if it's some one tile or two tile wide, well, kind of spine that's coming out of a region, that's a real problem. Or if it's very often it's also on on edges of like i i am working on on getting uh, la mancha uh improved back fixed right now and i have this on all the bridges basically because bridges have these sharp corners where they are uh, connecting to the surrounding uh to the surrounding land basically to the to the uh to the shore if you what to call it that like and you, you have these sharp corners and then you have like three regions close to the corner and you can't shoot around the corner yeah uh so the main issue there is yeah as you point out it's the very long thin regions uh so like that mostly not because of the shape but it's because the center of that region uh it's computed based on uh like it's just the, it's not the, like the average center it's just the center from left to right and then top to bottom it just divides that by two i believe um uh, basically gets you in the center of that uh the if you the cent as you get the long regions the center is further away than you would normally expect so yeah making sure that you don't have intervening regions where not necessary i don't know if there's a way of i'd have to look into the creation to see if there's a way of a easy way of optimizing those out but you probably have more experience with that than i do but you mean on a code basis or on a map basis <laughs> on a map basis it's like yeah the map yeah you have to it's, it's a lot of trial and error because mm -hmm. well the, the of, of course the algorithm goes over the map uh, left to right, top to bottom, and that's the order in which you have to work over the map and change little. Normally, I try to just change little things along cliff edges and 
maybe put some some tiles under Vespin geysers where they also don't matter and try to adjust regions like that. But of course, <laughs> that's a lot of work. Yeah, well, I'll see if I can do a deep dive on region creation at some point here. But yeah, uh, I... when you're when you're uh, building something on top of the geyser, the geyser is actually getting destroyed. Does that mess up this in any way? No, because uh, it still preserves the uh, pathfinding. As far as I know, because well, because path the the geysers aren't work walkable either way. I mean, oh, if, if no, I, I put un unwalkable tiles under geysers, or clarify, Sanko? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the game destroys the geyser object, and uh, when you build build something on it, and uh, the refinery or extractor or, or whatever is is created in in the in the place where the geyser was. I was wondering if that messes up this uh, these regions somehow. I, I don't think I don't think it it kills it. I just think it changes. Uh, which unit it is, right? It makes the geyser the building that's been built. And if it's destroyed, it's changed back to the geyser. But it's uh, it retains the unit ID, I think. Yeah, it, the unit pretty much, yeah. So it's okay. permanent. Yeah, So, but it gets reinitialized as part of the morphing, and so it takes on a different ID, I believe, as part of that. Or somehow, somehow Bobby thinks... Uh, the BWA API thinks it takes on a different uh, ID, uh, but I think which that's where yeah, but, the but, perception of creating and destroying comes from. Yeah, but I think internally, uh, if you build on a geyser, the geyser is turned into the building. And if yeah. the building is destroyed, it turns back into the geyser, but it's it's the same. Uh, in the list of all units, it's it's the same thing. It doesn't get removed and reallocated. It's the same memory position, basically. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I know in in the BWA API they that's why, reassign it. Uh, you can heal drones if you build on a geyser because it's the geyser that turns into the uh, uh, extractor actually, and if you kill the extractor, a new drone is created. Yeah. And you can't do this with any with any other buildings. Also, I guess to address the other part of the question is regions are generated when you start playing the map. So when you're loading it up, it's creating all the regions then, and it never reevaluates those. I know that it much. Um, maybe cause terrain doesn't change during the game. Yeah, uh, but it also is there's some conflicts in the pathfinding because of that because it will. Uh, I forget where it was. There was some sort of. Uh, it won't know where barriers are. It won't know the walkability because it's you mean, you mean only considering buildings and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's not made for that. They never considered that people would start using mineral lines and neutral buildings and stuff like that to create maps with. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, like neutral buildings blocking off paths. They those aren't included in the uh, pathfinding regions. And so it will say, oh, of course I can walk through here. Yeah. And the pathfinding will say it can, even if you can see the building, uh, because that's I'm the path it was assigned. Building, yes. Because it's assigned a region path before it even looks at 
the pixel path. So it's already chosen the regions. It says you have to go from this region to that region. And yeah. so that's why the units I mean, behave so weird. It it can find find uh, paths around uh, obstacles by, I guess, uh, I don't know exactly how it works, but uh, it seems to just, uh, if, it, if it detects a, a unit in the vicinity, it, Goes to the side, and if it if it strolls into another region, it probably re-evaluates uh, long-distance pathfinding across regions at some point. But uh, yeah, pretty much. If, if, the if the obstacle is too big, uh, it it just gets lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if it's the whole, it comes down to the whole preference of regions things, it will try to get out of the current region as long as the distance isn't too far that things get messed up in the internally, but uh, there, so it will, it, but if it finds itself in a region that is not along the region path, it will say, I don't know where I'm at and it will discuss, try to find a new path altogether. That's, that's what I thought. Um, it, it has, it said that has funny results. Sometimes um, there was an, an was it an ASL game? I think it was an ASL game on the map uh, blockchain. There's which has behind one of the mineral lines has a quick succession of multiple small regions, and it ended up causing a scarab to go all around the mineral line and peck in from the bottom and hit some workers. That was very funny. Yeah, scarabs are weird to begin with. They they use a slightly different path or unit movement scheme than the standard one. It's slightly simplified, which it's mostly okay because it the they don't have some of the same collision resolution issues, but they also don't have that handling, which is why you see them getting stuck a lot easier. They're basically just moving, and whatever happens happens. But I mean, there is some. Uh, so they they are less ef uh, effective at dodging uh, obstacles. Yeah, well, it's mostly moving obstacles. They can handle the 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 not moving obstacles quite well. If nothing is moving, they'll say, "Oh, I can just path around," and they'll do it quite easily. You can test this on a custom app quite easily. Just create a line of buildings, and then fire it to a target on the opposite side, and it paths around that's quite fine. reliably. I mean, I mean, that's a, 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 um, quite important thing to to consider in making maps, and I like to include it as a standard. If you block some choke with buildings or eggs, or have a mineral line which blocks some region of the map off. That you actually leave some scarab gaps so you can uh, fire scarabs through that barrier. Because otherwise, well, I don't like it otherwise, because then scar Rivers will just fire scarabs and mm -hmm. they will dead out. Dead and out. Yeah. You can't really use them to defend. And I think it's just, just better if, if, if you can actually use Rivers there normally. It works fine normally, so yeah. I have nothing to add to the pathfinding. I was just uh, really enjoying your descriptions and discussion. Uh, feel free to continue. And uh, I actually don't really have any other points to talk about. Uh, so let's 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 talk about 
uh, pathfinding again. I mean, I was hoping that uh, SCM draft would actually uh, include a bit more in that regard uh, as I was working on it, I think, but somehow I guess other things gotten more important. So that might be another interesting project, a map analyzer that basically does two things. For one, uh, just uh, plot out all paths between all bases, I think would be good because that's between bases of any kind is of course the, the, the routes that units usually take on a map and particularly between main bases. And the other thing of course is I'm still thinking about how that was how that would work, but you know, detecting river distances are, uh, on the map, like I don't know, probably go through all tiles, check all tiles in a physical radius of eight around it, and look how far the uh, the uh, the actual tr travel distance as uh, as considered by the uh, pathfinder is, and then mark tiles where it is shorter and I don't know, maybe connect, show the connection between tiles where it is, uh, where it is longer. I mean, where, where this doesn't work out, something like that. Yeah, that uh, would be very difficult like to display because it gets very chaotic. There's a lot of positions. And also, I think it, yeah, we'd have to come up with some sort of way of limiting it because there are a lot of cases where you would expect reverb shot range to be limited um and like around corners of terrain and stuff like that uh where it, it would fit expectations so you have to do if we would have to basically create a an equation for expected for something like a reverse firing down a cliff which isn't supposed to be possible right yeah or, to, or, or just like exception for that or if there's like or a the, wall the or something around, like that. Or how, how the firing around a corner, like on a bridge, uh, as I said, it's a problem in La Mancha, how that would work. Yeah, I okay, so the, maybe. The main key, I think, here is that we're looking for a difference between expected distance and actual distance. So, like, say if there's more than a 16 pixel difference between what we'd expect to the reaver to have and what the reaver actually has. Um, that those would be the places yeah. where I think we'd want. And... Exactly. Yeah, and I mean that's the uh, the actually um, finding a good a good heuristic for the uh, expected distance would probably be a bit of a challenge for like cases where unwalkable terrain gets in the way. But except for that, yeah. I think that would be pretty straightforward. I think let's see here. So if you see here I'm trying to think of a way generally you would just do check to see if there's if it's walkable or if there's a collision you would need sort of I guess one way would be to that'd be very messy but you could create a zergling and just have it walk the, the path and say okay the zergling walked in this much distance and then the how uh, this is how long that a reaver shot it would also suffer from uh pathfinding region distortion in some way, because sometimes the circling path might also be very 
inefficient. So yeah, there's that too. Because uh, it might is, affect other units. Yeah, that is the that is the problem that it uh, the type of the unit that you use affects uh, it. So and and more so, I don't know how we could do that in BW API easily. I mean, uh, you have to use the game's built-in pathfinding, right? So you can't yes, can't. That would be another thing to build on on top of uh, open build draw, I guess. Most likely, because uh, that's the only way to expose the uh, river uh, comparison distances easily otherwise you'd have to create the entire pathfinding for the the bw api that would be a mess uh so yeah, yeah. it's definitely something you want to do with open bw um, I yeah i i don't see any other way to, uh, at this point to be honest well you can technically do do this do it with bw api but it would be running like forever I mean, uh, you can do it with trial and error and just logging the results, but uh, that would take an ungodly amount of time. You mean like actually placing a river? No. Well, it, it can't just create units, right? It's, you, have, you would have to actually build them and get them to, to move. To no, but you can send, uh, you can create a unit, send it to one place, then send to other, then, then but, do it. But, but if you use open root raw, you can, can just spawn a unit in any location. So yeah, <laughs> we, that's we, we are slow. So <laughs> um, having a Reva crawl the whole map, even on, on, on sped up speed, that would probably take a while. So even, even with the. Uh, even with uh, the maximum possible speed uh, in headless mode. Yeah, and and that's still 128 by 128 tiles. It would have well, not all of them, but you know, and then you, and then it would have to. You would also need to have a target that would you would have to have many targets because of course rivers tend to destroy targets pretty quickly, um, and would have to place that like anywhere in a 16 by 16 grid around the river for every position I guess so <laughs> that sounds like quite a lot to do uh, well, it, it can be done theoretically rather than um, practically speaking in, in some ways because it's just a matter of getting the right functions and uh, you'd have to find a way of spoofing the existence of the unit at that location but I think that uh, just just directly calling some uh, some functions in Open BW would be much easier. Yeah, just uh, find the exact function and isolate it, and and just uh, I mean feed it yeah, pretend parameters. Well, just some of those functions uh, assume the existence of a unit, and so there's many functions that you can't run unless you actually give it a unit um yeah but then for instance you probably oh. like oh go ahead yeah but but then you, you could could just spawn the unit in the location where you need it when out right which would be would take one frame and be done with it so yeah so that's one way the other way is uh bw actually itself spoofs units for some of its own functions 
uh, it so like for average movement speed, uh, there are cases where it will uh, create the innards of a unit for this one specific function in order to uh, get the script to run on that part of the unit, and then it will. But at the, at the end of a function, it just disappears. But it basically, for that one little part, it replaced the insides of the unit with a fake insides in order to get the function to run. It's really weird, but yeah, it's just a small tweak where you can tweak data points to spoof something running, or basically. Uh, or you would have to uh, just just uh, uh, tweak uh, some things inside uh, the code itself or something like that. Yeah. Uh, potentially, you could just change it so it could take arbitrary arbitrary points and convert that into all the yeah. necessary data. Just just take the midpoint of, of each tile and uh, measure distances from there. That's all you would need. So that would, would be would be sufficient at least well the only issue with that is that you have to provide it with a unit it doesn't have to be because uh, it will consider like the pathfinding will consider the unit size when uh doing the pixel distances i think the region distances though you could probably get away with without the unit i think yeah you just need to start an end position i believe that if you have a three region situation so there, there's your unit region your target region and one region in between uh does uh, the ex exact position of the uh, unit and or target in that case actually matter for uh for for pathfinding distance path well not for that consideration so it basically says it's the just, unit is in this region just no distances right yeah i believe for for the reaver calculation of multiple region shots it will only consider the regions and it basically so, takes the long distance path and says or the region path and says these regions are involved these are the centers of each region as far as i know and the uh, there might be some points used. I forget which points are are not used, but yeah, it's you could probably do it, but you'd also want to do uh, a, some sort of straight uh, actual path or some sort of uh, collision detection path, even if that's just cycling through each of the tile walk or wild walk tile positions between the reaver and its target in order to get an idea of the expected distance. Because by checking the collisions, I think, along the route, you could probably establish an approximate, uh, this is the expected distance. Because while the players yeah. won't, won't know the exact collision distances and stuff like that, they will generally, they'll have a pretty good idea of where the collisions are for most things within, within eight pixels. So I think. If you but, just... but the, the the question to answer is just will it reaver fire or will it uh, will it just freeze and or oh okay yeah if you just yeah. want to know whether that's, it'll that's, fire or that's freeze that's what the bug is all that's... about so will no, the reaver have thinking... to crawl into contact with the target first or will it actually 
fire from its expected range. Or mm. you'll probably not be able to make it perfect. You probably have to live with some 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 areas where you have an effective attack range of only like five or six instead of eight, right? But that would be good enough, I guess. Yeah, I potentially. Ultra is so badly written, some things you have to just look at. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. But I, I think we can at least visualize it a little better, I think. Uh, it might be tricky, but yeah, I think it's definitely doable. But I guess the other thing you had was the, like, the walkability between uh, bases. Um, that's pretty much doable. Um, I mean, as far as region connectivity, that's fairly simple, I would assume. Uh, I mean, you would just have to, to, like, you just take the starting location as <laughs> some dummy building or some dummy unit on that location uh, as a starting location and as a target location and then run the Pathfinder over it, right? And then you could just... Uh, just iteratively let the movement algorithm run over it to to get an exact path. I guess I think that was pretty much what what uh, as I was doing for uh, for SDM draft. Yeah, it's you pretty much because you can't just use the region distance because there are cases where the unit will actually potentially skip regions. Um, it's the whole regions one to three uh, problem where it'll try to go through one, two, three, but there are cases where it'll just say, oh, it's simpler to do one to three. And so you can actually end up with shorter distances than the region distance would actually tell you. So, so. It, it could find itself in a region where it wasn't supposed to go, and then it will recalculate the whole path, right? That's a possibility, but it's less likely. The more likely case is that we will simply skip uh, regions. So there might be like a 10 region path, but it may only travel through eight of those regions because it, will, it, will, it, it won't do a new path because as long as the path that find it, the next region it finds itself in is, on the is path along the path. Way. Okay. Yeah, it'll just skip ahead but, but and how say, can it, oh. how can it how can it skip regions along the path? I mean, if there's a let's let's say you can go through region one, two, and three, or you can go directly from one to three. Why would it ever take the path through region two then? Uh, it would have to do it. Quite this, uh, there's a difference between uh, center regions. Well, part of it is. Uh, has to do with the A star heuristic. Uh, so let's say if we had uh, three regions in a sort of a triangular setup, but so you start in one, and if you go towards your target, uh, that'll take you to two. If you move back why, why away from the target, it will take you to why three. Would take, why would it ever take you to two? Normally, it would avoid to even enter two. Well, if there was like a, a culvert, so say we had like a half circle arc. And our, we start inside the arc, um, or on, on the far side of the arc, and then our target's on the other side of the arc. So that there's, if there's one region inside the arc, and we're in another region, like say the arc, the inside of the arc is one region, we are in a region before that, 
and then off to one, either side of the arc, there's another region. So going what, into the arc. What do, you, what do you mean by arc? What kind of um, arc? Like, so let's say we had a wall of higher high terrain that formed like a half circle, like uh, yeah. something like you might. Um, it's just just like that. Um, if you were to walk in towards the center of that, into the arc, it you have. Or here, let me back up. Um, you would, the A star will say, "Take me to the region which is closer than the current region." It doesn't know what's beyond that. It doesn't know where the obstacles are. So it will say, if the, the straight so line distance, it, 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 it might an avoid an obstacle and stray into somewhere where it's not supposed to be yet. Or, well, it'll it'll try and go straight line distance. But let's say if we have a half circle arc that will catch us, it will walk in towards that the half circle arc region and saying that was closer than my previous region, but that the half circle arc region. Uh, means that once I've entered it, I have to go to either side. Whereas if I was being smart about it, I would have gone to either side first rather than going into the uh, half circle arc region. I don't know if this is actually a actual case that can occur, but it's more of a theoretical construct, which uh, I have to experiment with the uh, SCM draft to know if I can actually create this scenario, but it's basically the the idea is that you could find yourself walking straight towards your destination, but it might take you to some uh, into a region which is uh, not a shorter path, but it is closer to the destination. Um, um, in my experience, that normally doesn't happen unless something gets in the way. So. Like uh, units will uh, actually. You wouldn't. They you won't see it in units. Avoid other, not in units. Yeah. What yeah, else? The what else does units. Mean? The units won't actually do have this problem because they have a different path than the region path. Because they can skip regions. They can skip regions. They can go from region there. They don't target the second region as their goal. They have a goal region and a goal point. The goal point will always be in region three, but the goal region will always be goal. It will be region two, if you have it three regions. So you, it will be aiming for region three, or the unit will be aiming for region three, but it will give preference to region two, which is the uh, it helps it get around obstacles. Um, but it also means that you can end up skipping region two. But when it's generating the path of regions, it might generate a, a path with a region that is less than optimal because it was the shortest path. Um, I'm trying to think of a good uh, case that would describe this. I, I think we would actually have to, well, have a piece of paper and a pen to mm -hmm. draw something and write some formulas or something. It's it's hard oh. to follow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm trying to keep track, guys, but <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's it's uh, getting harder and harder. 
I, I'm still stuck on, okay, there's a concave piece of terrain, and then... Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I guess the way I think of it is in the simplest form is if we had five regions set up kind of like a plus sign, but if you could travel... Uh, One in the middle and four around that. Yeah, and then the arc and prevents the four you... four around are connected, or... Yeah, four around are connected, but you could you could only travel you could travel all the around the outside, or but you can't travel directly through the center, so you couldn't go uh, from bottom to top, mostly because the concave prevents you from going from the center to the top. If that makes sense. Uh, where's the concave? Um. So yeah. So I I consider the concave as blocking off. Uh, one of the outer regions from the inner region. So it's just a single line, uh, basically, that prevents you from getting to, say, the center so to... the outer region, then, is an island. Um, there's no islands in this thing. It just, a, you, you've got almost all connectivity between the five regions, except you can't go from the inner region to one of the outer regions. Okay, yeah. but then it would try to find a path around whatever terrain is blocking that. So, but it, that's more reasons to consider. Well, so the idea is that uh, the shortest region path would be to go around the outside in either way. So you would take the uh, you wouldn't ever use the center position. The center region wouldn't okay, ever be right. included in your path because you would have ah, okay. the obstacle. Yeah. yeah. But the pathfinding doesn't actually work like that. The pathfinding will always include the center region because it's the closest region along a straight line distance from the starting point to the ending point. So if you're trying to move from the one far side to the other far side, like a straight line, it will say, I'll go to the center, but I can't go from the center to the destination directly, so I have to go to one of the sides. So it'll go out to the side, and then it will go, then it will go to the destination, which means it will, of the five regions, it will have tra traveled through uh, four of them. Whereas That's... any humans would draw uh, a, a path containing only three regions. Well, I'm not sure that that would really work out that way. I mean... I don't know if it's a... Yeah, Once it has actually run through all the paths and determined the shortest one, wouldn't it just drop any inefficient ones where it would make a detour through the uh, center one? No. If it you, could go Brood directly War, around? It, it does, Brood War does not do any optimization. It only considers each uh, region in turn. There's no... Uh, further optimization and no consideration of additional paths, unless, unless that's a natural consequence of exploring the regions, um, it won't generally do that. Um, there are... it, will, it will generally try paths through all adjacent regions, right? It won't just skip some regions because it has already considered them in a previous step, or... Uh, so it's part of the A star. A star is a uh, a greedy algorithm, in that it will 
it will try to go with what it believes is to be the shortest path, yeah. the next shortest path. So it may not consider all possible paths. It will just consider the the next that it believes is best. So it will only try those which I, th I think it thinks will lead to a faster conclusion, but it won't try to optimize out all the little kinks in the path. Yeah. Uh, it's because it's, it's its goal is to try to aim for. It, it stops basically straight. when it's when it has found a path, right? Yes. Then thinks it that's the shortest one. It it doesn't care whether it's the shortest. It just says I found uh, a path. That's says, good enough. Okay, if I found it first, that's probably good enough. Yes. Yeah. Because the algorithm is designed to say that if I'm looking for a path. And I'm I'm taking the probably optimal search but for that path. If you have a situation where you have like three three uh, regions in a triangle, and in the one it it directly goes to the well better one in within the triangle, basically the one from which mm -hmm. the path would go on or that is to the target, and a third one, then. Uh, Unless, uh, unless the uh, it calculates node-to-node uh, -node distances in a way that doesn't observe uh, triangle inequality, uh, it should always go to the uh, better region first, right, and not take a detour through another region. That's what I mean. Um, yeah. So if it's only three, if there are only three regions involved, then it will always choose the closer. Of the region, um, I think I may have oversimplified early on. Um, or wait, I think I I have an idea what you could mean. It could mean that the path that it finds eventually just goes through fewer regions, but not uh, through the shortest possible distance, right? That could happen. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, it so the region path isn't uh let's see i think probably have to get some drawings or something like that because it, it does... okay uh guys yeah. sorry to sorry to interrupt but i i think uh you you're kind of going in circles for a while now and uh, uh really we should we should move on to a different topic uh i sorry i i lost track uh, a few sentences ago i really tried to follow and I think the audience is, is kind of the same no way. Okay. Ask you questions or something. <laughs> well, I I thought I, I I leave you to it and uh, but uh, I I uh, have I to. <laughs> I have to cut it short. Well, I'd like to cut it short. So so uh, actually, it's a very interesting topic, but uh, maybe this is not the best format to discuss it right now. Um, yeah. yeah, were there ever more than five people watching? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, but uh, yeah, most <laughs> most of the people uh, actually listen uh, do, do not listen to the podcast live, so uh, do not concern uh, yourself with it. Oh well, yeah, it's too complex, I think. Yeah, uh, I I think it 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 is, and and you really need drawings, and uh, well, the, this podcast is meant to be consumed in an audio format, so uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the last few minutes of the audio were lost in the recording. I don't know what's the cause, but we basically we just said goodbye 
So I will say goodbye to you now as well.